Imagine how kind the world could be if each of us spent a small part of our day actively listening to someone else. In each episode of Active Listening, students from the University of St. Francis share conversation with older adults and discuss life lessons. The project's goal is simple, to bring people together through the kindness of listening. Today we'll hear student interviewer Kendra Seifring's conversation with Denise. Denise is an active participant in her church and in her community. Denise shares lessons and stories with Kendra about spirituality, education, and her family's relationship with money. Okay, let's talk about your parents. What's one mm-hmm. thing that really stand out about them that you hope that you have that quality too? Okay, for on my mother's side, like I said, I was the oldest daughter, so on and so forth. Um, my mother uh, was a trailblazer in her way, and she taught basic and advanced nursing for Fort Wayne State Hospital. So she was a teacher, but not necessarily a school teacher. Her mother, my grandmother, was also a teacher of um, what some people would call home economics, but that would be back in the uh, Depression age. The In Mississippi, during the Depression, the government hired primarily women to teach the poor sharecroppers and farmers how to use the commodities, how to use their... Um, their rationed um, cards and things of that nature, and how to get the the most bang for the buck for some of the um, basic nutritional things that were available. So she was teaching in that capacity, and eventually she became the librarian of a historically black college in northern Mississippi, which is kind of like being a teacher also. Mm-hmm. So in my generation, the thing that I learned from those women, I didn't realize until I became later on an adult, is I ended up teaching also uh, for the city of Fort Wayne as, as one of the uh, people in the mayor's staff showing people how to do use certain services with city government. And then for the last few years with Fort Wayne Housing Authority, teaching uh, low-income residents how to do things in our community, how to go back to school, how to, um, um, money management tips, um, end of life information. So I think looking back at it, that strain from one generation to the other of giving back in one way or the other, doing what you can, teaching others so that they can do also has been very strong for me. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. Um, Okay, so you also mentioned that besides that you might need something else like spiritual mm-hmm. has has that guided you in your life any definitely and i think one of the things that um i did take from both my mother and my father is they came from different um religious walks my mother had been episcopalian in the south and we used to talk about episcopalian and catholicism very similar but they, they did all their masses in english Back then, they were still using Latin in some of the um, the uh, Catholic churches in the South. My father was was raised um, a Baptist, which is different than the Southern Baptist and American Baptist. The um, the uh, uh, people who are Black Baptists have their own little route of things, very spiritual, music inclined, and, and, and things of that nature. So. I learned growing up 
to walk both sides of the line, take what I needed from, from both of them, and then as an adult make my decision for which way I wanted to go. And I um, am active in the Baptist Church. In fact, we celebrated our 125th church anniversary just uh, last year, and I was, as church historian, I'm the one that pulled together a lot of the things and, and, and uh, brought it forth. But one of the things that we did with that um, celebration is we took the theme, we've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. Okay? Uh, because when I look at my path, which is not that dissimilar to hundreds of others in, in my age group in this, this community, I can look back at the families that were just one generation from slavery when the church founded and going through the world wars, the depression, the um, civil rights eras, the desegregation of schools, the various things that were not necessarily a spiritual component, but it was a community activism that was going on of which the church was an integral part because mm -hmm. it was God's way of moving his people from one place to another. How else would you, could I account for a mother in Mississippi and a father mm -hmm. in, in, in Fort Wayne mm -hmm. meeting in, in Tacoma? You see God's work around you in ways that you would never, ever be able to predict. But looking from generation to generation, looking historically at a church for 125 years, you cannot believe that this was all just a happenstance. Someone threw up a deck of cards and it happened to land up, you know, a full flush or whatever. It doesn't happen like that, you <laughs> yeah, know. No. There was some divine intervention along the way, and I am thankful for that every day. Mm -hmm. uh, what, kind of, what kind of money did your family spend things on? What was important? Um, money was one of those things that it was a necessity. But it wasn't one of those things that you um, um, you didn't worship money. You know, you 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 took uh, pleasure in family, friends. You know, things that that could go on. Education was very important. Uh, but um, I know that money was not easy uh, because I know that um, when my father died, he had. Um, they called it walking pneumonia. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it was an undiagnosed um, thing and died abruptly. You know, um, like I said, I was um, just going on seven. My brother was five. My mother was only 34. And so she was left with the two kids. And he had been the uh, primary breadwinner. She worked a little bit here and there and that. But I, I recall after his death, my mother had to fight for um, survivor benefits, war benefits for the Navy, for my brother and for me. She was not able to get them as a widow because she made too much money. I think it was less than, um, I'm looking at paperwork, it was less than um, $4,000 a year she was making oh, wow. then, but that was too much money. So she fought for the survivor's benefits for my brother and myself which worked out to be $16 a month for each of us, hmm. okay? But she said that the $16 helped keep us in shoes. 
And so she used to call it the shoe money, the shoe, you know, and, and things of that nature. So looking back at it, I realized what a struggle that must have been to raise two kids. You know, you had a two-income family, now you have a one-income family, and you're begging someone to get you the money that your husband died so you could have and, and, and all. Uh, but she, she looked at that as a necessity. Okay. Uh, the other thing that I remember about financial um, issues and how you did things back then was... Um, we talk about food deserts today. Back at that time when you had your neighborhood, you had neighborhood grocers also. We were a half a block on on our street from a grocer that had meat and fresh produce and canned goods and you know virtually everything that you'd need. And if we walked the other way, we were uh, about three-fourths of a block away. And in that little neighborhood, there were probably a, a, a dozen or so little mom pa stores, if you will, um, as well as the big store back then was we had an A&P and we had a Kroger uh, and one that was called Rogers at that time, which Rogers eventually merged with Scott's, which eventually mm -hmm. became Kroger and so on and so forth like that. So you were not only within walking distance of the store, but you knew the store owners and you were able to put something on your bill. So you didn't necessarily have to have cash money in your hands to buy what you needed okay. for that particular day. But you had to keep paying on your bill and, and things of, of that nature. But everyone kept a little tab at those little neighborhood stores, okay? So that means that money was tight for everybody in that community. But as everyone pulled together, you know, you get your bill paid or you put this on her bill or, you know, things of that nature. But you didn't waste money on on things that were not essential. Mm -hmm. You were taking care of your family, keeping a roof over your head, shoes on their feet, hopefully having the kids get enough of an education that they could go on to school, uh, apply for scholarships if necessary, but that was what, what your funds were used. So I'll end our talk here today. Thank you, Denise, for for speaking with us, my name is Kendra, and thank you for listening. Thank you. What you just heard is part of the Active Listening series, put together as a collaboration between the University of St. Francis and WBOI. Additional conversations can be found online at WBOI.org or wherever WBOI podcasts are found. Faculty advisors for Active Listening are Miles Fulwider, Jane Martin, and Kristen Miller. This program was also made possible thanks to the support of Trina Bodeker from the USF Office for Service and Social Action. Our interviewers are Laura Jansen, Georgia Lieb, Caleb Meyer, Sean Rollins, Jennifer Schinkel, Sage Souter, Miranda Tyler, Kendra Seifring, and Doe Thong. USF Meta students are Nicholas Cardosa, Vaughn Gallagher, Joey Lamping, Ashley Price, Renee Robinson, Tyler Ross, and Jennifer Schinkel. Active Listening's creative director is Larissa Whitaker. Our music is by Noah Campadonico. And thank you for listening. <laughs>